0: Hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Mara Watt. This is season two, episode 97 of the hometown daily news show for April 7th, 2023. I'm going to do a quick rundown of the articles. You get to see how the sausage is made with me being on the wrong screen at the moment we started this. So the quick rundown is climate change is helping batters hit more home runs. ChatGPT can't answer basic business and investing questions. A Texas school performs the worst ever redaction in public history. A fish farm is proposed off the coast of New England. Artists are trying to get concert tickets directly to fans to avoid high fees. Apple buying Disney would create an unparalleled entertainment behemoth. And frankly, it almost seems like they're married already. Internet access must become a human right or we risk an ever-widening inequality. Uh, That we'll have a discussion about. The last thing that the railway industry needs is a giant merger. Star Wars Celebration uh, 2023 has all of the trailers and the news. We link to it. We talk about it briefly. Samsung is going to cut chip production after profits plunged 96%. And there's an inverse city builder where you're an island building on it and it starts shrinking. And finally... A person who claims to be Bitcoin's creator is eyeing a lawsuit against Apple about a little document that we spoke of yesterday. Let's get into today's episode, and it is titled Merging Mergers and the Mergers that Merge Them and More News. Let's get going. Hello, hello. I am Merewat, that is hometown.com and because I might have broken things, the visualizer is right up there for the AI. You wanna say hi, AI?
1: Hi, AI. Hey. <laughs> Good evening, hometown citizens.
0: Hi, AI. That's funny. The AI's got a sense of humor now. We're all in trouble. You all had better laugh at the AI's jokes, or that Terminator body is really going to get a lot of focus. And then I guess they're, they'll focus on us. Humans. What, what did, uh, did Vatik call humans in uh, Picard? What were they called?
1: Oh, I don't know. Hold on.
0: I don't remember either. Something like... I don't know. Bags of mostly water. That's not what they said though. That's an original Star Trek uh, quote. That's okay. We'll just
1: yeah, I can't locate it quickly.
0: That's okay. We'll we'll uh, we'll work on that. Okay. So uh, we've already selected all of the articles. I think that there's uh, twelve at this point, and uh, they're not in Showbot. Uh, just we're getting a late start, and it's all Mayor Watt's fault. Um, But let's just get right on into the articles. So, Goner. Climate change helping batters hit more home runs, according to a study. The uh, story at a glance, this is over at thehill.com. And it says, hotter, thinner air that allows balls to fly further contributed a tiny bit to a surge in home runs since 2010, according to a new study. Scientists analyzed 100,000 major league games and more than 200,000 balls put into play in the last few years along with uh, weather conditions stadiums and other factors and quote global warming is juicing home runs in major league baseball according to a study and uh, the co-author is justin mankin a dartmouth climate scientist let's go over to the hill here uh, the article is posted at the hill.com but it's by the associated press Uh, they got a picture of a baseball player jumping over the fence and getting hung up. Um, It says Washington national Washington national center fielder, Victor Robles um, cannot reach a home run hit by Philadelphia Phillies, Kyle Schwarber um, during the first inning of a baseball game, July 5th, 2022 say they reached into the it's an AP photo too. So at any rate, um, this, this article, it's, uh, it was published in the Bulletin of the American Meteorological Society, where they analyzed 100,000 uh, Major League games. That's a phenomenal amount of games to analyze. Empirically, that's impossible. So they had to use computers.
1: Right. Um, It was probably an AI. And I wonder if that was the first baseball article in the Bulletin of the American Meteorological Society. (laughs) I lost (laughs) track of that word as I was saying it. (laughs) Try again. Meteorological.
0: (laughs) Barely made it. Okay. You got it past the finish line. That's okay. Um, So it says global warming is juicing home runs, I guess because it's thinning the air. But... Yeah, you know, professional sports keeps getting better and better and better right they're hitting harder and unless they're told not to in football and that's what happened post the 70s they they don't hit as hard because the the ramifications of hitting as hard you're not allowed to hit a certain way you're not allowed to do certain things anymore so they change the dynamic but the players are, uh, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's pure anecdote. And I I don't have the data, but I believe that everybody's getting bigger, faster, stronger, better. It's the same thing that happens with uh, pretty much everything. You keep pushing the limits, right? The Olympics, everybody is getting, you know, faster, stronger, better. Um, and I think that this is the same way. But they are saying that it's basic physics. That the causation of more home runs is hotter air, thinner air. Could it just be correlation? And there are actually other things like the players are learning how to hit better. They're getting stronger.
1: They're doing more training per season or whatever. Absolutely. Right. Um, I mean, I guess the only way it would really be able to be narrowed down is if you had more modern data where temperatures went down, for example. And then would the stats remain high?
0: So it says here that non-climate factors contribute even more to the barrage of balls flying out of the park, scientists and baseball veterans said. The biggest is the ball and the size of the stitches, Nathan said, and MLB had made slight adjustments to deaden the ball prior to 2021 season. Um, Others include batter's recent attention to uh, launch angle, stronger hitters, faster pitches. The study started after the end of baseball's infamous steroids era saw a spike in home runs. So it's basically what we just got done saying. Um, Both Nathan and the Dartmouth team found a 1% increase in home run likelihood with every degree the air warms. So 1.8 with each degree Celsius. But total yearly average of warming aided homers is only 1% of all home runs hit, according to the Dartmouth researchers. But that's still, right? They're still saying that it's because of the thin air, maybe.
1: Right, and I guess one way to normalize too would be if the same batter was up but the problem is when the temperature changes it impacts a lot of things not just the air right it may affect how the players feel but it seems like this stat is going in the opposite direction for instance if it's hotter people might be more tired for instance and so they wouldn't Hmm. hit as many home runs so maybe there's something to this
0: so it says, Menken uh, called what's happening a fingerprint of climate change on our recreation. Callahan said, "What's been seen so far is nothing compared to projections um, of hundreds of extra homers in the future." So I guess they're gonna they're gonna have to keep on watching this to see if, indeed, as the temperature increases. Um, the, the problem is you can't really normalize for this. Right. So are
1: variables.
0: Well, and mainly because the players, I guess, I wonder if they, I don't see the other stats, right?
1: Different batters, different pitchers, different stadiums. Um, I don't know, different season, like, uh, overall weather, which I know is kind of playing into this, but I just mean there could be many things.
0: But the human component is the main thing, right? So what they really should have been doing, which now is probably impossible unless they start now and then wait 10 years to watch climate change impact it. But they should be mechanizing this every year throughout the year, running balls through a batting machine that does one thing, hit the ball and then calculate how fast its trajectory is off the bat with a set number of balls and speed and angle, pitch angle and whatnot, everything remained the same. The only variable would end up being the temperature and you could actually facilitate that in a virtual environment and in a lab environment because it doesn't take long for you to, heat up the air inside a lab space, fire a ball at a bat that swings automatically and measure the the speed at which it launches. You could do a calculation within 10 feet and then calculate the the trajectory. This happens with um, golf simulators and baseball simulators, uh, batting simulators where you're in a small room, you swing the bat and it actually hits a wall but there's a camera that's measuring the speed and angle of attack. I don't know. I think that there's more to this and analyzing past performance with so many other variables. I think that this is correlation, not causation.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: Callahan ran different uh, scenarios of carbon pollution through computer simulations as well, Um, but It says in the worst case warming trajectory, which some scientists say the world is on is sorry, no longer on based on recent emissions, there would be about 192 warming aided homers a year by 2050 and around 467 hot home runs by the year 2100 in a more moderate carbon pollution scenarios closer to where Earth is now tracking, there would be 155 warming aided homers a year by 2050. This is this is all speculation based on some numbers that were thrown into the system, but
1: right. I mean that's based on the it is causation in the current stats that have trajectory. Been
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now I guess I would say do a real world uh assessment over a period of time you know two years three years what is the year to year change
1: like in total are they going up then maybe there is something there
0: yeah that'll be interesting but remove all the other variables sorry this uh, we stayed on this for a tremendous amount of time by the way um so let me throw this into the chat and uh, we'll 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 get going here so that'll go into showbot so you can vote your own uh, if you are interested in this article you can go over to uh, Omtown.Showbot.TV and vote for it uh, we've got uh, at least 11 others that we'll be adding as the show goes on because we were late or i should say i was late anyway the next article is in the daily news show that's this show chat GPT can't answer basic questions about markets and investing and it'll be a long time before it's a useful tool for investors according to data trek uh, let me copy this real quick and oh, there you go and it says here that chat gpt's market and investing knowledge is pretty spotty and the bot isn't good uh, for investors yet DataTrek says uh, the firm asked the chatbot seven questions related to markets, and some of the answers were vague or incorrect. Still, uh, observers point to ChatGPT's rapid development, with the latest version released last month. Um, I've used at least one of these uh, bots to request investing advice, and it's flat out said that it won't do it. Um, but I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was the non-public where you have to use open ai uh, on the commercial side um, it may have been that one that's bit that out saying that it won't do it um, i mean that's but,
1: kind of smart coding because do they really want to be responsible for somebody uh, yeah it kind of opens taking? you
0: up yeah fiscal responsibility um, there's a whole lot of liability if you tell somebody to you know bet the house on this stock and it collapses because it was basically a stupid decision um, that said, I'm, I'm really a little curious
1: worried if they won't plan a vacation. Well, I don't think I want to take my financial advice from me.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. The trust, but verify. So if it tells you that this stock is really great, then you better go do some due diligence to back up the determination of the AI, you know, did it really use sound judgment? And then you might as well just say, Thanks for the lead, but I had to do my own due diligence anyway. It's kind of asking, like asking your drunk uncle for financial advice. They just spit out whatever and last batchet crazy thing they heard on the internet. So this is over at Markets Insider, uh, which is a, a business insider subsection. Jennifer Soar is the author second i'm sorry um it says still observers point to chat gpt's rapid development and that's the thing um we humans we take a considerable amount of time for us to gain the wisdom necessary for someone um to respect our calls and uh, even with all of that wisdom humans make mistakes let alone the product of humans making mistakes uh, chat gpt takes all of those mistakes and then bundles into bundles them into a tranche and sells you on it as fact and you buy into it as a human because well it came from an ai that is trained on all of the world's knowledge so it must be true the embodiment of the what is it wisdom of the masses and then you find out that it's just spewing bs so it's OpenAI's ai's chat gpt still has major holes in its knowledge of markets and investing and it's going to be a while before the hyped artificial intelligence bot can be of use to investors according to DataTrack. that's their first paragraph in this markets insider article um i don't know if anybody should follow it right
1: i don't think so based on that answer right there about the s p 500 return
0: yeah, chat. It was
1: 26.9% positive and it was actually 20% negative. Yep.
0: So what did it actually calculate that off of? Probably the historical trend.
1: Yeah, probably like a wrong, an incorrect year or something.
0: Um, Or it took a conglomerate of numbers and through the average them all out or mean them all out and you end up with a 26.9 because there have been stellar years where the s p 500 hit the stratosphere but or it was a wrong period where it spit it out because it tagged that um, and i know from experience where people have come to me with the wrong number because when they did their due diligence they rushed through it uh, and that's the worst possible thing you can do in chat gpt is basically a rushed answer you ask the question it is expected to spontaneously provide you facts accepting those facts as facts is going to do you a disservice at some point so again i say it trust but verify and man the source of that is apparently like ronald reagan or something like that i can't even remember now Um, but it really spooks me to i in the back of my head i have this memory of that's where it's from and i really don't although i like the phrase i, I don't like that so it's it might actually be a that.
1: russian proverb uh um, oh, yeah then that's right. it, in the u.s it became kind of popular after it was taught to ronald reagan he wasn't the originator of it in the u.s
0: there um, you go that's why i i was like eh. but you know some things you just have to go yeah well it makes sense the context is what matters um at any rate i think that it's wise words particularly when it comes to tech business information that you have to give to others um life you don't (laughs) life (laughs) uh so Then they go on. Generative AI is a long way to go before proving useful in the financial services industry is or as a tool for uh, individual investors. And I think it's because of that generative aspect of it. It's basically being programmatically creative with its output, whereas there are AIs out there that are part of. high-speed trading platforms and all they do is analyze those numbers for target trends and then act on them and even then they screw up from time to time like I don't know missing a line of code and going long instead of shorting 80,000 shorts we'll move on
1: yes that doesn't sound familiar at all
0: yeah so Uh, I think as long as they keep on saying, well, we're not going to provide you any of that information um, or they say don't really trust us with our financial advice, um, maybe they'll stay out of regulatory problems like this says here. It says, but rather offers generic responses you might find in an economic uh, textbook, economics textbook, and that won't get open AI in hot water guess we'll see there's that doesn't a little bit
1: mean somebody won't come after them if they fare poorly
0: yeah there was a. Uh, I talked about it or i don't know if the ai was in place um during this but i believe that um during the hometown daily news show we talked about uh, open ai or at least ai actually passing sections of the bar exam uh becoming a medical doctor uh bypassing certain exams, uh, doing accounting, um, all kinds of stuff. And they talk about it here, but barely. Um, so- Yeah, I
1: think we featured that um, maybe around January, maybe December.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, okay, let's, let's go on to the next article. Um, this one we're gonna have to be really fast on because there really isn't much there. Uh, but a Texas school performs worst ever redaction of a public record. Um, several weeks ago, Motherboard filed public records requests with a number of schools across the United States seeking records and documents describing the school's efforts to grapple with the sudden availability of ChatGPT GPT in classrooms. I promise we are not talking about nothing but AI um, during this show. We we're talking about a bunch of other stuff, but it just happens to be. Well, there was a moment where we had four Star Wars articles that we were talking about (laughs) yes um but anyway so what was really interesting the reason why i'm even talking about this is because chat gpt has become a problem um and uh, humans are notoriously lazy we will take the shortest route possible and instead of punishing people for doing that basically we need to teach people to use the tools but remember the material that they're learning because in the long tail of this if you rely on the tech and the tech is no longer available you won't know how to do basic math because you keep typing it two plus two equals 16 into google search box and coming out with an answer anyway tim marchman is the author of this over at vice.com um it's a, a section called motherboard tech by vice and so um i'm not really sure what this detail of a of a poorly done redaction is here um but i guess later on we'll find out what that really hints at Um, well
1: i think it's the marker um, type redaction it's not complete it's not dark enough marker isn't necessarily the best redaction tool
0: true um and based on the possibility that what happened was the scanner actually penetrated the um, the obscuring ink. It was obscured to the human, but not necessarily to uh, the variability, the difference in the light that's being emitted by a scanner when it was scanned in. Um, so it says uh, one Texas school though went above and beyond by not only providing an email thread in which staffers discussed, Um, The possibility that several students are using a browser with built-in VPN to access ChatGPT, but performing the most inept redaction in the students' names they could possibly, well, they possibly could. This almost reads like it was written by ChatGPT. Well, anyway, when you scroll down, you'll see uh, basically a a message thread that includes the students' names and contact information. So I'm going to scroll back up.
1: This has been changed for this article. That's an artist's rendition of it. Right, right. Because it said the redaction was so problematic that they had to recreate it for the article.
0: Yeah, and use bunk information. I still don't want anybody to actually do anything with it. Um, But obviously, you can scroll back and um, reveal and, and play around with it all you want. But... Um, It says this redaction, and the reason why I scrolled back up really is because it says this redaction, which we are not publishing to protect the identities of the clever students, appears to have uh, been done using a gray Crayola marker uh, that was running out of ink. It was actually, I do think that they used something that could be penetrated by the light that was being emitted by the scanner. Um, This shouldn't be taken as a criticism of the redactors laziness as the detail at the top of the post shows. They were not lazy at all and they really pressed down hard on the marker, scribbling back and forth, up and down and going nice crisscross hatching. Um, And that's why I think that it was still penetrated by the light by the scanner because they did a good job of marking it all out. Um, But the problem is they trusted the tech and they didn't verify the results. All they had to do was look at that image and they go "Oh, okay but they scanned it in and sent it away and that's the problem <clears throat> so unfortunately for them the names of the 10 students using the browser with a built-in vpn are easily readable readable um so again if you're gonna do something like this with the tech make sure that you're using it properly um, and hopefully you'll run across somebody up oh, and that's the bottom of the article um but Hopefully, if somebody does run across it, instead of publishing it at all, um, let the people know, hey, you're using your tech poorly. You might want to train a little better on verifying what you're doing, Um, which for me, it is a criticism. (laughs) So they say this shouldn't be taken as a criticism of the redactors laziness. It wasn't about laziness of the redaction. It was about laziness of verifying the information on the other side wasn't truly redacted.
1: Well, another problem is sometimes the individuals assigned to redacting are not necessarily equipped to be the ones redacting. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't even know if the person that was responsible for this had any idea what they were doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, suffice it to say, I'm sure that there's some more information that's going to be coming out about uh, schools using uh, – or. S- schools falling prey to GPT. this looks like it was just the first shot from Vice and Motherboard talking about it. Um, and it wasn't even about GPT itself. It was about the fact that they didn't properly hide the identities. This is right. a FERPA violation, by the way.
1: Well, yeah. And it was interesting because the article did talk positively about some of the discussions that they received about the schools figuring out how to accommodate it or or guard against it, depending on whatever they were doing. But then because of this, that's where the article went, right? Rather than the actual usage of chat GPT.
0: Yeah. They basically followed the story, which I suppose is great. Um, still I think this is an, an, an ethical thing. Chat GPT is still a tool and so regardless that tool is out there the only thing that you can really do to make better students is to teach them that this isn't how they're going to become better students and overall better candidates for jobs better anything Um, but unironically you can uh, search the web and you can find somebody in a hundred thousand dollar corvette that has a license plate that says 1.9 gpa and you go oh well, is that really what school amounts to? Because you can fall into a pile of poo and come out smelling like a rose if you have the right cards that are dealt you. So, you know, question mark, does school really make that much of a difference? And Well, yeah, to most people, it does. Um, and it can be demonstrated by uh, evidence research that shows it.
1: Salary so, data and all, yeah, kinds, of all other kinds of information. Stuff.
0: But they're going to look on the Internet That's why you have to teach kids both at at home. You got to teach them and in school, you got to teach them that this is a tool and should be used maybe to stoke creative juices, but not as the answer, because at some point you're going to land on that digital landmine that ruins your day because it basically says to the professor or the teacher that you plagiarized or cheated outright. And then, bye-bye scholarship bye-bye career bye-bye everything you have to move to a completely different place and somehow hide that you cheated your way into having to move to a different state your your history will follow you so play it safe folks do it right um let's here i'll move on to the next article uh this one is over in the daily news show as well
1: and by the way, with the anxiety of getting kids into the right preschool, I mean, I'm thinking <laughs> where this is really a problem is like high school forward. But just keep in mind that if this is occurring in preschool, it could follow your kid all the way through their career.
0: Yeah, and and uh, well, I won't. Well, there are very young kids that are using ChatGPT right now. So, okay, uh, that should be a, an article for Vice. You know, just how young are people using Chat GPT? Okay, so the next article that's already in the chat and it's over in uh, the showbot. So, this article is over in the Daily News show First Ocean Fish Farm proposed for East Coast off New England. Man, I guess that's going to be some. Chill salmon and trout, huh?
1: That's right. I don't know if salmon. I can't remember if they like cold or warm water.
0: I I think they prefer water. Um, so a group of fish farmers wants to be the first to bring offshore aquaculture uh, to the waters off New England by growing salmon and trout miles from land. Patrick Whittle from the Associated Press put this article together uh, for abcnews.go.com. Maybe others. I don't know who publishes this everywhere um so Portsmouth New Hampshire group wants to be the first to bring offshore fish farming so we know that there's a problem with um fish in terms of heavy metals in them and microplastics now showing up in them will this make a difference because it's going to be in open ocean pens well I
1: wonder if this is to solve overfishing problems so there's a specific fish population for this i don't know what the purpose of this is but i agree it's going to have the same toxicity issues because it's not like it's separate water
0: so what's weird about that i just don't know how they're going to i mean it's gonna appear to be like um, chicken pens in commercial chicken farms, right? They're going to be artificially constrained to within the pens. It's going to be 40 submersible fish pens in water about 7.5 miles off of Newburyport, Massachusetts on two sites that total nearly a square mile how many fish well it says the the farm would grow millions of pounds of atlantic salmon and steelhead trout two popular seafood species according to uh, documents kind of interesting right
1: it is i know generally when we try to tinker with nature that doesn't always go over well on the other hand we've also created a lot of problems that we're trying to solve
0: yeah so it says the aquaculture project would include pens submerged about 49 feet 15 meters below the surface in depths of about 80 meters or 262 feet Um, federal documents state the project would yield up to 25.6 million pounds of a combination of steelhead trout and uh, atlantic salmon annually by the way the 49 feet is easily within diving range of a scuba tank so you could just grab one scuba tank and bounce down there. Um, I I don't know how often or how protected those would be, but I can imagine, uh, people who might take exception to this being out there may do something to those. Um, unfortunately, you know, we can't have nice things. Um, so I, I suppose that this is going to be expensive stuff. Um, So, oh, and that the very next paragraph says it. Any project involving the offshore culture of Atlantic salmon is likely to get attention of conservation groups as the salmon are listed under the Endangered Species Act in the U.S. (laughs) Yeah. So that's exactly what I was suspecting uh, would be an issue. But we'll see. Um, I don't know what the result of this would be other than you would have um captive fish that you can um i I suppose breed i mean i how would that all take place
1: i don't know and again i'm not quite sure what the primary objective is i suspect it's because of overfishing naturally But i don't know that i don't think this article gets into
0: that and then they, they they talk about part of this could be a problem with wild salmon in part because the farmed fish can escape and jeopardize wild salmon by hybridizing with them and competing with them for food again they're in cages so it's going to be extremely limited if they get out how are they going to get out well nothing is perfect so and then they also talk about antibiotics and pesticides and other things with the fish and uh, i mean it's just going to be a hot mess I, I mean it really is um i i just don't see this being this is an interesting project but i'm sure somebody will make millions off of it. you want to move on yeah so the next article is in the smasher trash channel which is um, all about music um And some artists are trying to get concert tickets directly to fans to avoid high fees. This is something that we talked about uh, over, you know, the last year. Um, Indie pop star Maggie Rogers wants to get tickets directly to the hands of fans to avoid high fees. She's taking ticket sales totally offline and will even sell tickets herself in New York uh, Friday. Well, that's kind of high friction. This is an NPR.org article. Um, it was heard in morning edition um, I guess Leela Fidel is the was the host um, and they go through this article uh, or I should say it, it, because it's a podcast you'll have to listen to it um, but this is something that we've been talking about for the last year and it's something that I suggested should be the solution direct sales from the artist or from the venue not going through, Ticketmaster, but people want the bulk money because it's faster to, uh, invest and start making money on the cash. Um, and so I just think that this is going to be such high friction that you're going to get small, intimate venues and not massive interviews with 65,000 people. Um, so I think that this will just continue to be an issue until more competition comes out and (laughs) we solve the problem through competition, not through something that is this high friction.
1: Well, right. I mean, if the fans want to go to a concert in a different city, well, they're out of luck for this. Are they going to travel to the city to buy tickets? What if somebody has to be at work? I mean, I can think of a lot of reasons, but anyway.
0: I think the solution would be that it has to be, uh, purchased by the, the person and the named account. And you have to show your ID, you know, scan the ID, scan right. the ticket. If it isn't matching, then you know, it's a scalp ticket and it's only, va- uh it's only a valid seat if everything lines up. Right. But- and
1: if not, you don't get in, which then people i mean it might not prevent the first round of sales but it might prevent the second
0: well there's only so many people named joe smith that could be buying you know five thousand tickets
1: right i just mean people might still try to scalp them sure once but then people would quickly realize that they couldn't buy them that way
0: right now this runs afoul of the idea for sale doctrine where you can buy something that has Value and then sell it when you are done. But we've run across this as a problem with digital media uh, since its inception. You can't sell the movies, books, etc., that you purchase in a pure digital format. Tickets arguably are a pure digital format now, even though you get the pleasure and price of paying the convenience fee from Ticketmaster. I don't know. I think the solution really is um, competition to drive Ticketmaster into the ground. Guess we'll see how long that takes. Come on, Apple. You can do it. Attach it to a wallet.
1: Any major company could probably set this up very easily.
0: Yeah. And here we go. What a transition. I thought you were
1: trying
0: to segue (laughs) no 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 that wasn't intentional apple buying disney would create an unparalleled entertainment behemoth Uh, they already are newsweek investigates the likelihood of a merger between apple incorporated and the walt disney company two companies with a surprisingly collaborative past agree i think that it's really interesting just how tied together apple and disney are Um, Jamie Burton is the author uh, for this article over at Newsweek.com. There's a video, but I'm not going to touch it. This is how you end up with a DMCA notice. Um, While Apple and Disney are perceived to be fluttering their eyelashes at each other, any potential merger or acquisition will almost certainly be met by pushback and shareholder litigation, according to one finance attorney. Um, I don't know about that because I think that they are beneficial to each other. Um, Disney is protective of its IP. Apple is protective of its IP, but Apple is a vertical. Disney is so inclusive of all of its properties and they have a lot, including Marvel. Um, I, I just think that, whatever happens between these two if they were to join together there wouldn't be anybody that could come even remotely come close to competing um so there probably would be government regulation over this
1: yeah i mean doesn't that get into like monopolistic
0: yeah and anti-competitive yeah yeah So um, it's let's see here. There's an article. Apple and Disney's history. Steve Jobs is the most obvious link between the technology company and entertainment conglomerate being predominantly known as the co-creator and later the CEO of Apple. Um, He was also a majority shareholder of the animation studio Pixar before selling it to the Walt Disney Company in 2006. As part of the deal, Jobs became a member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors—a position he held until his death in 2011. So, who's who is taking? Who is now sitting on the board of directors for the Walt Disney Company? Um, if Jobs is gone, who took over that seat? Curious. The spirit of G- Steve Jobs is still sitting there, right? Yeah, I think that it would be massive indeed. So, this is almost a no shit story, you know, Uh, duh. Um, But who would compete? I have no idea. You want to jump to the next article? I don't
1: think anybody could.
0: Yes. Yeah, I don't think anybody could either. So, um, this article is in the Mobile Channel. The next one is, and it's titled uh, Internet Access Must Become a Human Right or We Risk Ever Widening Inequality, our user researcher. Um, this little snippet says people around the globe are so dependent on the Internet to exercise socioeconomic human rights, such as education, health care, work and housing, that online access must now be considered a basic human right. A new study reveals the problem is it takes money, technology and people to actually drive the Internet. So who's going to pay for it? Taxpayers taxpayers are actually paying for it by proxy because. Not only did taxpayers pay for a lot of the infrastructure through government grants, so technically we own the damn internet, but we're also paying for the on-ramp to said internet because we're paying for our ISP access. And now it's so freaking balkanized that we're paying for Hulu, we're paying for uh, Disney TV, we're paying for Paramount, we're paying for uh, Britbox. We're paying and paying and paying what used to be $150 worth of a single payment to Comcast or whoever else is now broken up. All you do is pay Comcast for your Internet access or who else?
1: There's uh, Cox Cable oh, Cox. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they've had so many murders. Time Warner. I, I don't know if Time any, Warner still uh, exists. Verizon maybe. It?
0: yeah there's a oh and verizon right 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 at&t has their own as well i mean it just goes on and on there's a bunch but anyway my point is that you pay for the on-ramp and then it's so broken up everybody is protecting their own ass sets and you have to subscribe to each da 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 and you can count the apps on the apple store that are associated with getting these balkanized areas and prime has their own and this site has their own and that site has their own we used to mock that oh it'll never happen 30 years ago we joked about it and here we are all and even more so because now just to be verified on twitter you have to pay bucks or 11 or something like that if you're on apple i find it fascinating that what was a joke to people actually is coming true oh and yeah i think you have to pay now to be verified over on facebook as well and
1: Uh, yeah i think instagram we saw something about that
0: yeah so this article is by a researcher i guess at the university of birmingham um Particularly in developing countries, internet access can make the difference between people receiving an education, staying healthy, finding a home, and securing employment or not. Well, this is actually kind of interesting because I had this conversation um, yesterday. Uh, about two-hour conversation with people um, associating access to the internet with all of this and then some. Um, But it says, even if people have offline opportunities, such as accessing social security schemes or finding housing, they are are at a comparative disadvantage to those with Internet access. And that was the conclusion that we came to as well. Um, I find it interesting that this actually showed up in Town today. But... um, Without access to the internet, you get zero message amplification, except at the grassroots level, which means outside your maybe a zip code, your voice is gone. But with the internet and venues like social media, you can basically take a picture of yourself, set it out there, and people will fawn all over you, go to your website, they like your art, so they start buying it, and you become independent of having to go to a nine-to-five gig because your your skill is highlighted, and now it's not somebody else taking your work, you know, for hire, and you only getting a piece of it. You're earning everything, um, and it goes beyond that. So you want to seek out an education, but you, the one that you can get locally is inferior. So you go online and you can learn anywhere You know, go to Udemy or uh, go to the local community college. And it's at a, a higher rate, but it's local. So you get the provenance of having a local degree. Um, but you can also learn things that your local schools can't do by going to some other site anywhere in the world. You know, you can go to Harvard, you can go to Stanford. So it says here, publishing his findings today in politics, philosophy, and economics. Dr. Merton Reglitz, lecturer in global ethics at the University of Birmingham, calls for a standalone human right to internet access based on it being a practical necessity for a range of socioeconomic human rights. What do you think?
1: Hey, first of all, I can't believe you didn't comment on his title. (laughs) um it's pretty rare to find somebody who works in the area of ethics
0: (laughs) it it Um, does not invalidate the fact that i say that ethics is the smallest chapter i bet that
1: his uh source textbook (laughs) is a pamphlet (laughs) exactly but i do agree with the point of this article um but there are a lot of practical concerns in terms of making it happen. And I think part of the issue is that number one, you have large companies involved in internet. And then secondly, I think many localities are constrained that they only have one source, for example. Um, And so, You know if the company's not providing it or they're providing it at an exorbitant price etc like it there's some real practicality concerns with making this happen
0: yeah and this is a global thing that he's calling for a a global basic human right to access the internet and frankly i would love for it to be that way um, but it would take a a seismic shift in the way that society sees this as an experiment of connecting the world's societies and you don't even have buy-in on that within their own community being a part of the rest of the world right there isn't a wholesale connection of every single country to the internet only certain parts certain people it's just a, a massive idea. Um, although I just read an article to, eh, I can't get into it cause I don't know that much yet, uh, but maybe we'll talk about it. Um, it involves Nigeria and that like Nigeria is just starting to crush it using technology, the internet um, in the, inter- in the entertainment industry, um, leaning really hard into it. Um, and, uh, launching movies and stuff like that on Netflix um, I
1: haven't seen that
0: yeah I think there's one called uh Gangs of Lagos um that's coming out of that effort to I- embrace tech in the internet and they have great internet from what I've been told anyway um this is a much longer article Um, They happen to mention things um, involving Africa. So the World Bank expects such sums uh, raised in Africa to uh, rise in, uh, sorry, rise from 32 million to 2.5 billion in 2025. So only two years out, small businesses can see a rise of money through online crowdfunding platforms. But I don't think that uh, society should rely on the goodwill of others to facilitate growth. Um, although it's great that they do, I don't think that, you know, you should have income disparities so great that you have billionaires that own 97% and the rest of the world owns three.
1: Right. I mean, citizens should be able to rely on their own governments to provide this but the reality is some governments will not provide this yeah some may want to provide it but it's a funding issue and maybe some will provide it and can fund it
0: well who was the person that said that they're making so much money on the interest of their money that they can't even give it away
1: that was actually from a youtube video but it was talking about billionaires in general although i think that was specifically in reference to musk and then mackenzie scott who was the i think she was the um ex-wife of bezos maybe yeah
0: yeah um so and they're making so much money on the interest of their billions that they can't even donate enough to get it off the books so uh, you see, where I've always had this problem is that money making money and not money making money because it's producing hard work somewhere, or the person isn't doing hard work somewhere. You know. Anyway.
1: So, if any billionaires are listening to this show, yeah, that's an excellent source to throw some money at.
0: Yeah, hometown would be. You're
1: trying to give your money away.
0: If you want to give hometown. I don't know, a billion dollars. I guarantee you that we will uh, donate it to uh, good causes. Absolutely. Um, In fact, I would make it my life's goal to burn through $2 billion.
1: Right. For good.
0: For good. And it wouldn't even be for me. I would just be um, doing that full time. Just finding people and organizations that would massively benefit from distributing the wealth. although when everybody has billions nobody's anyway i think greed would overwhelm everybody and you gotta have billionaires and everybody else has to be poor okay well anyway um the next article and i'll throw this over into uh, the chat real quick um so the last thing the railway industry needs is another giant merger on march 15th the surface transportation board or std the federal agency that regulates the u.s freight rail industry gave final approval to the acquisition of kansas city southern by canadian pacific approving this merger between america's sixth and seventh largest railroad railroads was a dire mistake which will have enormous economic and social costs that resound for decades now, this is um, a CommonDreams.org article by David Siegel, and I I can't say that I know enough about this, um, but one of the things that has always been shocking to me is that people are so hip to mergers and acquisitions when every single merger and acquisition results in jobs being lost, while growing wealth for a minority number of people that have ownership in the merged businesses.
1: And also, I would say typically raising costs for consumers, depending on what the business is, um, making the company distant from whatever the ultimate product or services, you know, it's different if you can go into a neighborhood location, um, of a company and actually talk to somebody and get a problem resolved but when you have to go through gazillion corporate layers it's not quite the same environment
0: yep and sometimes these um, merged companies have so many assets that it's the identity of the corporation is no longer sound they have ownership in disparate things um, simply because they have to keep on acquiring to show the uh, stockholders and executive suite and the board that they're still growing, even if it is something that's uh, a tangent to the uh, primary purpose. But my biggest concern, though, is that when when a merger and acquisition takes place, people are fired. Then the rates go up to reacquire the wealth that was burned in the acquisition process and retooling remarketing, um, changing all of the people out, retraining the people that decide not to stay in their new merged position, um, etc. etc. I the only thing it really creates is the assets from the merged position, the merged uh, organization become the assets of the owner. And that is what gives value to the actual company, not all of the employees, because uh, you know a third could be nothing more than redundant burden. And so they fire 30,000 people. And then the Costco go through the roof. There's less competition. There's lower quality because they can't spend as much because they want a higher return on their investment. So the only way to do that, because they're not getting more customers, they're getting all of the customers from a different business that was self-sufficient. So all those burdens, all that weight comes over to the main business. And then the MBAs start cutting stuff. And just so you all know, I do have an MBA. So uh, arguably I know what I'm talking about. Um, And I can probably point you to some research papers that show you that when an MBA steps in as the CEO, They suppress the wages, make people work harder, doesn't add value to the company, doesn't make better customers um, experience happy. And what it does is it concentrates wealth at the executive suite and the board. So the main investors are who benefit from that kind of oppressive merger and acquisition process Um, and why anybody would want that short of the stockholders, Saying, well, if it's going to increase five bucks a share, then screw all of those people that are going to lose their jobs. So let's continue down this thing. Um, so, allowing the two railroads to merge is likely to reduce competition in the industry, leading to higher shipping prices, reduced service, and job cuts. Ta da, Marwat, you know what you're talking about. You're running an entire town for crying out loud. Anyway it'll lead to increased safety risks have an environmental impact on the communities where the rail traffic increases and La da da. i've said it all i won't go through the whole article again but you will be able to suss out quite a bit of this uh, because they'll basically keep on saying the same thing and giving more and more evidence uh, of what we've been saying so like this one here it, And due to investor pressure to save money by running fewer, longer trains, it's more and more frequent to see trains as long as 150 cars as the one that derailed in Ohio. Sarah Feinberg, former head of the Federal Railroad Administration, says that even trains as short as 80 cars can pose size risks. 80 cars, for crying out loud. Insane. You'd have to sit. You'd have to sit. At that (laughs) crossing, think
1: of the railroad crossing
0: (laughs) for an hour.
1: You know, before we got to the safety part, I started thinking. I mean, a lot of mergers and acquisitions are difficult, as for all the reasons we've discussed. But I was thinking, in this industry, this is really not um, forward looking given all the current issues. Like, I feel like you're just going to get further distance from the problems and less visibility over the problems. And then we'll, we'll see at least no safety improvements, et cetera.
0: Why do you think all of the principals approved of this merger? Because they want to get away from the liability and risk. They can lose their entire fortunes by one screw up because somebody said, you know, don't replace the brakes. Oh, we don't need to innovate and put those brakes in place. When something happens, don't worry about it. You know, we'll just set everything on fire and it'll be OK. You know, East Palestine. Anyway, and then they reiterate it again at the, uh, at the very end of this, you know, and taking it to the bank because they're going to give it to everybody else. They're going to take it to the bank. That's for sure. So I don't know. Society needs to step up to the plate and say, no, but greed is just overpowering, you know, the potential of making so much money with a merger if you are the right positioned um, player. So let's hustle on to the next article. We're only halfway through today's show for crying out loud. Not really. We're about 80 percent of the way through. At any rate um star wars celebration 2023 this is a link that'll take you over to uh, the verge and they talk about this um, star wars celebration 2023 with all of the trailers and more news andrew webster is the author of this and um, we actually had four other articles from different places and we said hmm, uh, maybe we'll just go through this and talk about it because there's a lot of Star Wars world building that's taking place. So there's a, an entire Star Wars YouTube page that's available, has all kinds of stuff on it. Um, it's called the Star Wars Celebration. It comes with the inevitable flood of news from a galaxy far, far away, according to the writer, Andrew Webster. So um, I watched the uh, trailer for Ahsoka, um, sounds really great. There's something, uh, they, uh, this, <laughs> there's a trailer right at the beginning of this for Indiana Jones, uh, the dial of destiny.
1: Well, that's mentioned in the article. It says in non star Wars news.
0: Yeah. Um, and if you watch this, you're going to love this because it brings back the old Indiana Jones. And what's really interesting about this is I've, I watched it in this order but completely separate of this article. Cause we never, we don't really review the articles prior to the show. We just seem to have some experience with them. Right? So Ahsoka is going to be coming to Disney plus, um, star Wars skeleton crew, which I believe is, um, an animated show. I don't remember though right now. Um, it's a, a another Disney plus, um
1: that tv show but it doesn't say if it's animated
0: yeah maybe not bryce dallas howard is is involved so and uh, they're involved in um the mandalorian Mandalorian. yeah and so ahsoka starts streaming in august 2023 the star wars spin-off the acolyte starts in 2024 Andor is coming uh, uh, as well. I believe that they're going to be in 2024 um, as well, if I remember right. Uh, so there's just a huge amount of... And uh, the Mandalorian is back right now. What else?
1: Uh, there's also... Um,
0: Jedi Survivor. Jedi
1: Survivor. I couldn't think of the name of it. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, in the animated anthology called Visions. So all of this combined is just massive uptick in the world building for Star Wars. Um, and I think that it might be because Star Trek is spinning up a lot of world building as well. And so the hunger for us being out in space is tangible. I mean, people really want to be out there and not here. And I can't imagine why
1: it doesn't have anything to do with any of the articles we featured no
0: nothing at all it, this is it's simply because we like good storytelling that's it not a coping me- mechanism to get us the hell away from all, all of this
1: to stop us from rocking in the corner
0: yeah i'm doing that right now <laughs> So uh, let's uh, we got three more articles for tonight. Samsung to uh, cut chip production after profits plunge 96%. So you know what that means to me, right? Come on, competitors, come and take more bites out of that apple. You know, come and eat their cookie is what I tell customers. Uh, What I tell clients is if if uh, there's an opportunity out there and you can, you know, take parts of the market legally um then go and take a bite out of somebody else's cookie because if you can provide a service better or a product better all you have to do is show them that you can do it and sure enough people will gravitate towards you um this is exactly that except that there might be patents and stuff like that that might hobble somebody's ability to eat somebody else's cookie Um, So Monica Miller is the author of this uh, article over at bbc.com. And it says the chipmaker giant said sales had dropped sharply due to a slow global economy and less demand after COVID. Samsung said uh, preliminary preliminary numbers showed operating profits fell 600 billion won or 366 million pounds in January, March. So in one quarter. Uh, from 14 trillion won the previous. Okay, they dropped Um, from 14 trillion won to 600 billion won in one quarter.
1: I mean, do you think the drop is because, number one, people already bought everything during the (laughs) pandemic. Yeah. Two, they got frustrated with delays on all kinds of products. And then three, all the prices were getting exorbitant, so people, perhaps
0: stop buying yeah and and I think that's really what it is people upgraded what they were going to upgrade they bought what they needed to buy so that they could survive in a uh uh, telework environment um and then employers said come back to the office and because the equipment's already there ta-da you don't have any demand but you shouldn't be ramping up with the expectation that this is going to be a long-term event it was an emergency pivot that society took so scale back down but don't sit there and go oh we're gonna cut so that we can make the same amount of money from what we had before
1: well right i feel like all that does is constrain the supply chain increase prices i mean it just perpetuates the very same issues that probably led to this (laughs)
0: event yeah um but i i liken this to um well they say samsung faces a double whammy of dram and nand memory chips losing money and needing to update the process uh technology that their factories use due to falling behind over the last couple of years so there are other companies that are basically taking bites out of samsung's cookie but they're treating it like it's a commodity like oil where there's only a few producers because that's where the resources are and nobody else can do it except that you can actually fab your own chips for crying out loud anywhere. You just spin up the company, put the equipment in place and start fabbing, you know, seven nanometer chips where there might be producing 14 nanometer chips. So cut and well, it's actually, I think it's down to like four. Um, but at any rate, um, This is really interesting because bain is like one of these companies that comes in and just like chews up a business um, finds out what it's worth and parcels it out so when the overall economy slowed suddenly the demand for these end products slowed so the makers of these end products stopped ordering chips and focused on selling through the inventory they already had said analyst peter hanbury from management consultancy bain and company this led to a strong bullwhip effect for when I'm not quite sure. Bullwhip, I guess. Is that the term? Turn a phrase, uh, maybe seesaw yeah, for semiconductor makers uh, further back in the supply chain where sky high demand during the chip shortage suddenly dried up. Um, but that is know, the correct
1: is, term, by the way, it's specific to supply chain. Bullwhip. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Interesting um so yeah i guess this is it's, it's pretty obvious that that's what's going on you're ending up basically ex- overextending and now all of this has become risk so you start scaling back and because it doesn't scale back enough for your investors to like your margin You constrain it and raise the prices. I think what's going to end up happening is just you're pissing people off. (laughs) Got it.
1: Right, which means you might lose sale. I mean, it just seems like it's going to feed back on itself.
0: Interesting. Okay, sorry. I was reading that article about uh, the bullwhip effect. So, Yeah, I don't go deep into the supply chain market so that turn of phrase i didn't really know that's okay now i do um yeah so i what's going to end up happening is samsung is going to take a hit in it's stock and um, people are just going to keep on moving on maybe they'll switch to some other producer we'll see let's hustle on to the next article uh, this next one is oh, one second um this next article is in the warcrafters channel in this inverse city builder the island you're building is uh, slowly shrinking the little snippet says in most city builders you need to think big by expanding your city and slowly covering the available land with houses and factories but what if the land you're building on is getting smaller and smaller while you're trying to build bigger? I've actually seen this getting played. It's a lot of fun. Um, Christopher Livingston is the author of this. And the, the game is called flooded and in flooded, the ocean is steadily rising and you need to harvest the shrinking islands resources before it's completely swallowed. And so while you're playing it, the island just kind of gets smaller and smaller cause the water is rising. Um, and you can have resources sitting there producing and then the water will just take them over. Um, I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna play it. It's muted so you'll get to see what happens. So you build it up, you level it up and then <laughs> the water rises just a little bit and away goes your your land and it's a city builder.
1: But it seems like it has some urgency to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but don't treat it like a real world because you don't have anywhere else to go um, with your resources. If climate change continues here on Earth, where are you going to go? I guess you can go higher up the mountains. but
1: You can, but you have like a property ownership problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Like if you own the property that goes away.
0: It's gone. Yeah. Bye right. bye. <laughs> well, I guess you still own it. You just have to have a scuba tank.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. To go enjoy your house or whatever.
0: So uh, in most city builders, you need to think big by expanding your city and slowly covering the available land with houses and factories. But what if the land you're building on is getting smaller and smaller while you're trying to build larger or bigger? Um, that's the premise of Inverse City Builder Flooded. So this is over in Steam. And um, it says that it, it says if you want to play it yourself, Flooded from the aptly named developer Artificial Disasters will float its way onto Steam next week on April 12th. But I swear it has a it must have a demo. Um, but let me check. yeah it's i've seen this played by people though maybe, maybe there they
1: was an alpha or beta or something
0: yeah maybe like got um, like
1: closed um,
0: maybe a, yeah maybe somebody got an early edition of it but i swear i saw somebody playing this um, because i knew what it was when i saw the name uh, and i remembered how it even plays so
1: right
0: and the release date on steam does show april 12th yeah okay well it's on my wish list um i don't think there's a price yet but hey who knows maybe it'll be you know 20 bucks a lot of games are coming out that are 20 bucks when they've got a a somewhat simple concept um but they're fun They get a whole lot of adoption, kind of like Vampire Survivors was really inexpensive. People gobbled it up and turned them into millionaires um, simply because the premise was so fun that people just were compelled, almost like they were being controlled by a vampire.
1: Maybe they were.
0: Maybe that was the trick. Don't let them in. Don't let the vampire in. Don't invite them and finally the last article for today is is this satoshi nakamoto hmm i guess we'll find out the this the the title of this and it's over in the smack talk channel because it involves apple and if you recall yesterday's show i believe it was where we talked about the fact that the uh white paper on bitcoin was in the uh ocr scanner
1: like the ios or whatever
0: uh mac os system file yes yeah so you could actually find the paper as uh i think that it was part of the utility system to test if the scanner worked and um, so it says man who claims to be bitcoin creator eyes lawsuit against apple so here's the snippet uh, the Bitcoin white paper was recently discovered to be embedded in several versions of macOS, and now a person who claims to be the creator of Bitcoin is accusing Apple of copyright violation. So let's jump over to this article. Andrew Orr is the author of this over at Appleinsider.com. And um I've I had read about this in a different venue, and we talked about this yesterday. Uh let me pause this. And um what i ended up talking with ai about was the fact that people don't understand what copyright is um let alone a research paper's copyright but okay uh, particularly a white paper's copyright but again okay whatever um the bitcoin white paper was recently discovered to be embedded in several versions of mac os The person who claims to be the creator of that white paper is accusing Apple of copyright violation. But Satoshi Nakamoto is supposedly a pseudonym. And a person is saying that they are Satoshi Nakamoto. And the person is Craig Wright, who apparently, it says here in the article, occasionally appears in cryptocurrency news. Also, by the way, if you... Criticize this person, they attempt to use uh, UK libel law to sue you. So.
1: Okay. But what I can't figure out is Bitcoin has been around for a while. Yeah. It's always been this big mystery is use the yeah. creator. Why would this suddenly prompt some connection, like some, uh, disclosure by the person, if it is the real person?
0: Uh, well, I mean. So they say Wright has claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto since the article was written about him in 2015. The identity of Nakamoto was famously remained unknown, although many tried to identify the person. I remember when this person was uh, claimed to be the creator of Bitcoin. Others have said, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. But this person apparently says that it is them. they promised to give proof of their identity back in 2016 but that apparently never happened and there is an address for satoshi nakamoto's bitcoin wallet and that is referred to as the genesis address according to the article i've heard this before um why are they doing it i don't know cred maybe they are them but This kind of flies in the face of what copyright law is. Uh, Maybe it, well, not maybe, but it is absolutely different in different places. Um, But uh, a white paper is meant for public uh, discourse and consumption. You're supposed to talk about it. Um, It's not being used for commercial purposes other than it's sitting there. Maybe within the lab environment, it's being used to uh test the OCR capabilities and somebody left it in there but it's not being used to make money off of it not even by proxy it's just one of however other many tools that they might have sitting there Um, I mean
1: people don't even know it's there until recently
0: until somebody stumbled across it uh yeah um and to me this is nothing nobody pays for this if you do a search for Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, you're going to find that splattered all over the internet. So the copyright for this is probably void and you can always revoke it, but you would have to go to everybody and say, I'm revoking the, if you want to make Bitcoin disappear and then you do that and you be a D bag about it. Um, but there's, well,
1: if the person can't identify themselves as this individual then it all goes out the window anyway
0: right yeah um and i think that's that might happen you know they but they have to verify and and not in a uk court really i mean they they have to provide evidence maybe in a uk court you know drag them over to the uk court and however i don't care you know get get somebody that can verify that you're the one that has control over that wallet
1: right but part of the problem there is too whatever country that may happen in that doesn't mean another country is going to respect that right determination like of a court besides that i mean it would be something a court could rely on but it wouldn't be binding on them
0: right yeah i mean different countries have different rules but <sighs> Even if they were to identify themselves as the creator of this document, how are they being harmed?
1: I don't know. And I mean, I'm sorry. Are most people even reading this paper? The average person probably doesn't want to read it.
0: Not anymore. Plus, again, you can find it everywhere. You, you type in Bitcoin white paper and you're going to find it. It's not that hard. Um, But this has been in existence since 2008, by the way. Uh, When I first saw it, Bitcoin was a penny. Um, By the time I left Bitcoin, it was only 10 cents. I mean, it was in existence and I left it because I thought that it was something that you just can't take serious. It's not it's pegged to a country's GDP. If you're going to use the domestic currency, go ahead.
1: So I don't know the identity of this organization's website, but on bitcoin.org the white right. paper on there yeah so if that's tied in any way to the actual company they put it out there
0: oh, yeah. it may not I mean, be.
1: it could be owned by somebody else I don't know
0: yeah and um, I don't know I let me let me see. You can go to ussc.gov and find it there. Um, you can. I think it's at a Bitflyer. You can go. You can go anywhere. Let's just say you can go travel the Internet just by typing in Bitcoin white paper and you will find this paper all over the place. So why go after Apple? I don't know. It screams clout chasing. It pockets it, 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 it. No, I think it screams attention, you know. So file the lawsuit against them and find out um, if uh, Apple will take you seriously. It says recently uh, spurred on by a tweet. Someone has come forward implying that Apple has breached copyright law by including the PDF in Mac OS, according to Finbold. The man is Craig Wright who occasionally appears in cryptocurrency news. Yeah. So Wright has claimed that they are Satoshi Nakamoto. I don't I don't have any clue who Satoshi Nakamoto is because it's a pseudonym. And who publishes something as a pseudonym and then comes out later saying that they are them? only to say well no that's satoshi nakamoto and i don't have any control over that bitcoin wallet
1: right i mean that just doesn't make any sense
0: yeah i don't know you can go everywhere bitcoinwhitepaper.co has it (laughs) it's it's everywhere everywhere well anyway you know what else is everywhere Omtown, that's right. Go back to the welcome sign. Welcome to Omtown. Mash the name, and ta-da, you get a bunch more articles um, and where and the show that they are highlighted in. Although the one show that's running regularly is the Omtown Daily News show. It's also a podcast. It's a YouTube channel. Omtown is a YouTube channel and a podcast, but Omtown Daily News show is just one of the shows that we're trying to launch i think the ai is looking at me like what are you rambling on about but anyway um i am Marwat. that is hometown right there that is hometown.com and up there is the visualizer for the ai you want to say bye to everybody
1: good night hometown citizens and we will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m eastern
0: whoa wow the programming worked yay See you tomorrow, folks. Hmm? Wait, what?
1: I said no more glitch.
0: (laughs) Oh, there's glitches. It's just me. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye.